Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, the current crisis has thrown up some fundamental questions. What does a cycling commentator do when there's no cycling to comment on? What does a pro cyclist do when there are no races to train for? And what does ruler Stuart Clapp actually do all day? We'll try to answer the first two with Ned Bolting and Nathan Haas. The last one will remain a mystery. This is the Ruler Podcast, supported by Lacquer, bicycle insurance powered by the community. So, uh, Ned Bolting, welcome to the uh, Ruler Podcast. We're probably about uh, 15 minutes away from each other by bike, but we are communing by the internet, uh, as uh, as we're all getting used to. Uh, what, are you, uh, what are you actually up to? What does a cycling commentator do if there's no cycling? That is a very good question, Ian, and I'm kind of grappling with the answer myself. Um, I suppose my, my working year uh, divides uh, quite, well, has in the past divided quite equally and quite pleasingly into three chunks, really. Through the winter, I'm often engaged in in writing a book of some description or other. The last book I wrote was actually about darts and and not cycling. At the moment, I'm writing a book about football. During the spring and summer, by and large, most of my work then sort of migrates back to cycling and involves, as you say, television work, commentating on bike races. And in the autumn... Uh, over the last few years, I've been doing my, my one-man show. So, yeah, spring and summer work has just uh, disappeared. It's left a bit of a void, to be honest. I'm supposed to be knuckling down and writing uh, my, my football book, which I really should give a bit of attention to. But but at the moment, I haven't really got the mental bandwidth. I think a lot of people are struggling, I, I think, to concentrate on stuff. I, I'm, I'm no different. Um, and equally, I, I, should be, uh, I should be writing material for my... my uh, show in the autumn, which I do still hope I will be touring. But there is, I have to say, a slight question mark over whether or not I will be be touring that material. So um, again, it makes it makes life a little bit a little bit tricky just to concentrate. And even if I could concentrate properly, what would I what would I put in the show? <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm being a little bit unproductive. Well, we've all got a lot of time, but um, strangely, uh, not much to fill it with. Yeah, exactly. Um, one 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 thing I am doing actually, just because I, I might as well, Ian, is I'm um, I'm halfway through recording just on my own, really, sitting at my desk, recording an audio book essentially of how I won the Yellow Jumper, which I wrote ten years ago. I've managed to get back the audiobook rights from the publishers from Random House who have handed the the audiobook rights back to me that they never exploited 
and I'm going to, as soon as I'm ready, I'm, I'm just going to put that up on the internet and people can, you know, <laughs> might just kill a few minutes here and there for people while there's no racing on. So I'm, at least I'm doing that. Have you been out on your bike or, or, or running at all? I haven't been running. As you know, running something I do on a daily basis. I've actually been exercising in, indoors. I, I, I haven't got Zwift or, or, or Turbo or anything like that. I have got a staircase and um, I've got a chalkboard and I run up, it drives everybody in my family absolutely mad. I run up and down stairs. And uh, yes, yesterday I ran up and down our flight of stairs a hundred times. Well, and you mark it on the chalkboard every time. I mark it on the chalkboard like some lunatic in a, in a prison cell. Um, but it kind of, weirdly, I find it very satisfying. Like some sort of analogue Garmin. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, um, no, I, it's unsustainable, really. I'm, I'm worried about the, the staircase. It's a Victorian house and I think I might just go through it at some point. I do occasionally have to go out on the bike, um, but that's simply because uh, there is a, there's an elderly couple who live over in Greenwich who I am uh, providing with food. Now, I noticed that uh, you're not currently on Twitter and a lot of people have turned to social media uh, during this time. Is there a reason behind that? Well, um, th- there is. It was the it was last weekend. Um, so, so not the weekend that's just gone, but the, the other one. I mean, time time's blurring, isn't it? So I can't be much more precise than that. But it was the it was the weekend where I think it was beautiful sunny weather, and it was the last weekend before uh, the lockdown was imposed. And um, I was looking out. I, I mean, we'd essentially been living a lockdown life anyway. My my partner works uh, in the NHS. She's a nurse partly out of respect for her job we'd been very much indoors anyway um, and I was just looking outside and I was seeing everybody essentially carrying on as normal uh, it got to me a bit and I, I wrote what is with hindsight uh, uh, was rather perhaps a rather ill-judged tweet in which I said I can't remember the, my exact wording but I said something like I, I, honestly guys I don't think we should go out on bike rides anymore it kind of divided opinion and it went Honestly, Ian, the the, the tweet the tweet w- just went, you know, got a lot of traction very quickly. I understood that I was, I'd said something rather off the cuff that flew in the face of uh, government advice, since you clearly can still do that. And not only government advice, but also what people wanted to do. And a lot of people uh, were telling me that they needed to go out on a, on a leisure bike ride, they thought it was safe uh, and it was uh, I- imperative for their mental health as well as their physical well-being. Um, and I-, I take that point. I take it to a certain extent. Anyway, cut a long story short, Ian. I, I-, I spent a day last uh, a week last Sunday uh, trying to respond to people and trying to be reasonable uh, and um, eventually changed my position somewhat having listened to what people said. But I wasted an entire day of nervous energy doing it. I woke up the following morning and I uh, just hit delete because I've been on Twitter and it's been a wonderful place to be, but it's a decade of my life now and I've moved on. Um, I I don't want it in my life during these months of isolation. Uh, I want to be able to read books and I want to go off uh, to other spaces that don't involve Twitter. Well, going back to the cycling, um, there's supposed to be a decision on the uh, Tour de France by mid-May. Yeah. What's your instinct? Well, I mean, it can't go ahead. I think, I, I, I think we've known that for a long time, and I, I, I apparently the ASO haven't quite clocked that yet. Well, I think they probably have, Ian. I mean, I, I, I think uh, it, it does. Listen, I speak from no great 
position of authority on this or, or, or indeed inside knowledge. I haven't had the you know, the nudge and the wink from anybody. But um, I think it follows the pattern of behaviours that we've seen, uh, not just in cycling, actually, but across sports, whether it's Wimbledon or, or the Tokyo Olympics or even back in cycling, you know, with the Giro d'Italia. And before that, let's not forget that that triumvirate of races that really sparked the whole thing off. Tirreno, Adriatico, Strada Bianchi and Milan San Remo. I mean, it seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? But it took RCS, if you remember, a long time to reach the obvious conclusion that Stradibianchi and the other races couldn't happen. And I think the reason it took them such a long time, even though they knew that the race wasn't going to go ahead, was simply um, because of their insurance policies and their liability procedures that they have in place. I'm convinced that uh, the Tour de France is all about limiting the financial damage that this will do to ASO and ensuring that uh, a force majeure is in operation and so that their insurance is will at least compensate or mitigate for some of their lost earnings. Yeah, because the the idea of running the uh, tour behind closed doors, whatever that means, was was clearly not not a starter uh, from the very beginning, was it? No, I mean it's just fanciful. <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's fanciful, isn't it? Um and and it would be um a, 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 it would be a very odd spectacle even if it were feasible. And and by the way, you know, the, the, the entourage of people, even if you took out the, the hundreds of thousands of spectators, the entourage of, of folk who you would need on the race simply to make it happen uh, would be a crowd in itself. Assuming that all three Grand Tours are off, because uh, given the current state of Spain, the Vuelta doesn't look uh, very likely. Um, if uh, there is a possibility of restarting cycle sport or indeed any other sport sometime this year, um, what would your um, what would your suggestion be? Well, I mean, I, I think there's an opportunity to do something um, absolutely wonderful. Um, I, I think it's unlikely because uh, cycling is too riven with divisions and, and too, frankly, brittle uh, with its financial modelling for these uh, various uh, interested parties to get their heads together. But in in my mind's eye, I imagine um, in October, uh, the possibility that you could have a two or three week long festival of cycling, which uh, nods to the territory of Spain, Italy and France, the three Grand Tours, could take the race into all those territories, would incorporate uh, if you like, Paris-Roubaix, uh, Milan-San Remo, and let's say the Classica San Sebastian. So you have three significant uh, one-day races within that um, within that festival and uh, would run as part of it the World Championship road races, both for the men and, w- and the women as well, um, and the time trial championships. So you could scrunch uh, a number of important uh, events into, into, into one, two or three-week period. And... Um, Get RCS and ASO and the UCI all together and make it happen. I think it would, I think it would be absolutely fantastic as a response to the the decimation of the calendar. Well, fingers crossed that something like that might actually happen. Yeah, well, I don't know how many fingers you've got, but you've got to do a lot of crossing in. I mean, the pro- the problem is, I don't think that the the I, listen. They may surprise me, but I don't think that the the relevant parties have enough. Um, I have used the band the bandwidth word too much recently, uh, but I don't think they have the, the the bandwidth to really accommodate that. So I think at the moment they're too busy f- surviving and getting from day to day uh, uh, through terrible um, financial hardship. These organisations. It does seem to be though, you know, a once in a lifetime opportunity to actually rethink 
professional sport and pro cycling in particular, because the the model is pretty much uh, defunct, isn't it? Well, I don't know if I agree with that, Ian. I've, I've always been a big um, defender of the way that the the calendar works. I, I I've I, I've never, aside from the fact that so many races are financially on their last legs and and a little bit inviable, which I, I suspect has always been the case, actually, throughout the history of the sport. Um, I actually like the way that the calendar operates. I like its um, unpredictability, its random nature, the way it drifts from country to country and season to season uh, and and f- focuses on a, a different element of road racing as it goes. I, I, I love it. I, I don't, I'm not a reformer. I don't want to see it all homogenised into one big kind of world series or anything like that. I... I um, I, I like it just the way it is, and I'm missing it terribly. Um, so I don't, I don't know how, how what will emerge, and whether or not anything needs dramatically to change in, in terms of sort of remodelling the entire calendar. I think I fear that we're going to lose some races, big time. You know, I think Yorkshire, for example, is symptomatic of of the kind of race that could simply never reappear. I hate to say, and I don't think it will be alone like that. So that will be different, but. Thinking about it, you know, from the rider's perspective, and this has only just occurred to me and dawned on me over the last couple of days, Ian, I think it could be very good for some of our star riders to have an enforced layoff for a year. I think there are signs over the last few years that Peter Sagan is suffering from sort of mental fatigue. He might just be rejuvenated after a layoff. I think the same probably applies to Julian Alaphilippe. And then there are riders like um, Mathieu van der Poel, uh, Tom Dumoulin and obviously Chris Froome, who've been suffering with various different health issues. Um, let's throw why not? Let's throw Mark Cavendish into the mix as well, for whom a, a, a year without racing could be the best thing. I mean, literally, just what the doctor ordered. Um, there are other riders for whom the timing couldn't be worse. I mean, I, I think of the young guns Tadej Pogacar and Remco Evenepoel, who are just champing at the bit this year, and they're going to be denied the opportunity to show just what they're about. And of course, Nairo Quintana, who's completely reinvented he's going to be denied his tilt at the Tour de France which was beginning to look uh, hugely credible I have to say um, so so it's a, it's a bit of a mixed story for some of those riders but if you want to look for positives um, I think some of these riders will will come back hungrier and fitter next year the road book's going to be a bit uh, slim this year though isn't it no doubt um, we are <laughs> no I mean it's it, it'll be I mean you know as we build this collection it's going to be it's going to look like a um, it's going to be hugely collectible, I hope, because it's a, a one-off occurrence, hopefully never to be repeated. But that the, the Slim 2020 book, which I'm editing as we speak, um, I've had to abandon a lot of the writing that I had commissioned. I can't tell you some of the stuff that has survived the cull, but I'm really excited about it. But as we go and we s- begin to see light at the end of the tunnel, I'm going to fill it. Even if the races, the road races are, are, are missing to a certain extent, I'm going to fill it with as much um, excellent writing about what has happened to all of us in our various different ways as I can possibly uh, stick into its pages. So um, rest assured there will be a road book. It'll be a unique and, and hopefully brilliant account of an extraordinary year. Okay, look forward to reading it. Continue to take care, uh, Ned. Likewise, Ian. Look forward to hearing you uh, commentate on some proper races when all this is over. Mate, I'll be uh, when when I finally get unleashed. I'll be I'll be I'll be shouting down the microphone. (laughs) I can't wait. So I'm Toby Talpitz, the CEO and co-founder of Lacker. We've been going for over two years by now, and we can confidently say that we are 25% cheaper than our competitors. So you save money with Laka, but getting a unique and much better experience. 
One thing we're really, really proud of is that we're doing all claims in-house. So when you file a claim with us, it doesn't go to a third-party administrator in the middle of nowhere. It sits with us, with our claims handlers, who are no insurance people, but are actual um, bike mechanics. Fairly unique, we believe, and that really gives us a unique take on the customer experience. One rider who's been caught by the uh, Spanish lockdown in Girona is Nathan House of Cofidis, and he joins us now. Uh, Nathan, how's it going over there? So far, all things are good and dandy. I've managed to uh, regain sanity since my last quarantine. Um, and for me, this actually feels like old habits. When you say old quarantine, of course, you were one of the first riders to get caught, weren't you, in the UAE? Yeah, that was a, an interesting experience, to say the least. Uh, we managed to get out of Abu Dhabi um, a little bit before our official quarantine period was over, which felt like a big bonus. But then since landing in Spain um, and was hopefully going to try to get up to to my other home, which is up in Andorra, but there was too much snow at the time. Um, and in that time, I got locked into Spain, which has been uh, a little bit of a surreal experience to sort of feel that my experience and journey as a quarantined human continues. The lockdown in Spain is pretty much total from what we can see. Yeah, it's it's quite remarkable, to be honest. And I've been truly, truly impressed by how well this community is actually dealing with it and how self-policing it seems to be. There's so few people walking the streets, uh, really only to do the basic errands, uh, which we're allowed to do here. But the government warnings on this have been taken very seriously. And a lot of local businesses have either closed or changed their uh, business type to actually be manufacturing products for either the hospitals or, or or the hospital staff. Um, so the, the the city really feels like it's banding together. Have you been able to do any training at all? Um, I, I saw a video of you on rollers doing what appeared to be Zumba of some sort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my partner, she loves doing Zumba, and I love riding my bike. Neither of us can do that really to our full extent at the moment. So we figured it would be kind of fun to join the two and do some indoor roller Zumba sessions. So she taught me a dog, he dance, and yeah, there there we have it. It was probably the most embarrassing thing I've done on the internet. Oh, there's time. Um, and it, but are you actually managing to kind of do some training most days or at least get on the rollers most days? Yeah, I've been very lucky. I was sent a full Zwift set up um, whilst in Abu Dhabi. Uh, very generous company there for, uh, you know, really trying to engage and um interact with the professional cyclists and help us through this really uh, unique time. Um, so it's been great to have Zwift, but at the same time, there's only so much indoor cycling you can do. And, you know, for what it's worth, indoor cycling is normally something that you do to, you know, make up for difficult training uh, conditions or, um, you know, injury or any sort of scenario that you would expect that you can't, you're just trying to minimize the loss of form. But it's very rare that you're actually using indoor bikes to gain form or to gain a base training. In a week's time, I will have actually accumulated just on a month of quarantine time, um, which means, you know, no riding outdoors for a month. So, you know, I'm feeling worse and worse every day when it comes to my fitness, but I'm doing the best I can. And I think that that sentiment is just shared by all athletes around the world at the moment is that we're really just trying to do the best that we can and you know honor the commitments that our sponsors to really represent um, you know the work they put in for us but you know it's it's very difficult at the moment feeling your body change 
after all the amazing work that you did from sort of October through until now. I heard Garant Thomas uh, the other day saying that, you know, uh, one of the big issues was that normally whenever you sit on a saddle, you have an idea of what it is you're doing it for. You know, you're doing something specific. You're not just riding your bike. But I guess now it's, it's, it's all very uncertain, isn't it? I think Garen has expressed that well. I think some athletes have come out and maybe maybe pronounced their words in a slightly odd manner to sort of, you know, not take into account the intensity and the seriousness of the situation. You know, we don't want to be uh, seen as entitled um, as athletes here because we really are just part of the general population. We're just entertainers of a particular type. But I think what Garen has done there is has uh, given – quite a, a good insight just into the kind of relationship that we have with fitness and with riding. And he's exactly right in that when we're training, we normally have a goal in mind. And then when you're all of a sudden you put on to an indoor training environment and you actually have absolutely no idea when your next race is going to be, is it going to be a month, three months? Is it going to be next year? It's very hard to actually have that extra drive uh, to use the indoor trainer, which at best has always just been a complimentary ta- training tool. So Garen's, Garen's definitely, you know, expressed himself well there. But the real challenge for everybody is actually just making sure that their health is the best that it can be because nobody seems to be totally immune in any age bracket or any kind of, uh, you know, place in society. No one seems to be immune to this virus. And, and I think, you know, I'm also being cautious about not doing too much training at the moment as well just so I don't have any immunosuppression without having any of the other kind of you know health optimization elements that come with being outdoors and that's the vitamin d that's the fresh oxygen that's the movement that's the uh the dynamicity of being able to see things and make calculations with your cognitive capacity so there's a lot of brain chemicals in all of us right now which are, um, are going to be different than being in our normal state being a trained athlete outdoors for myself at this point i'm definitely trying to uh, you know, do as much work as I'm happy to do, but I also don't want to push it too much because, you know, health for everybody is the priority right now. And this doesn't feel like it's going away anytime soon, does it? I think there is too many mixed messages right now for any of us to even kind of begin to float the ideas of ifs and whens. Every day there is a bit of new news and uh, it seems as though every time we get the news we're recalibrating where we are emotionally to that new news that's coming in. It is a very interesting, you know, mental experiment at the moment to try to to not buy into too much that's coming in and take everything day by day because, you know, if, if we try to put a guesstimate on it and then we're wrong, we're just letting ourselves down and, and getting disappointed. So I think when it comes down to sport right now, it's, it's definitely one of the, the lowest priorities you know, we're all ready to go as soon as the world, um, you know, finds its way again through this pandemic. But yeah, it, it doesn't seem as though this is going to end anytime soon. Nathan, thanks for talking to us. Stay well and uh, continue to stay safe. And you. So, uh, Rouleur Desire Editor, Stuart Clapp, no one's quite sure what you do all day anyway, but um, how are you coping? Are you still getting out occasionally? I am getting out. I'm getting out. I'm following gov- government advice, and that's to exercise once a day. And I've been doing that, going outside. Shoot me, guys. But I've been going out for like about an hour, take it steady, 
familiar roads, not going too far or too fast, just getting it done, coming back. Mainly for the fact that, well, I'm not an indoor training guy anyway, but I don't think my mental health will last until June. Um, if I if I start riding the rollers now, yeah, but it's a really weird time, really. But apart from that, the roads are clear. It's one of the one of the nicest times I've ever ridden. You're not tempted by one of these uh, Zwift group rides or something like that? No, not in the slightest. Why would I do that? No, to each their own. I but it's not something I don't have. Um, riding indoors high on my list of priorities. This isn't why I took up cycling. If I wanted to exercise indoors, I would have taken up squash or something. It's not really for me, and I'm, I'm going to ride for as long as I can outside, get a bit of fresh air until we're told not to. But I know that it's coming. Like I've got a mate in Italy that was saying they're allowed 200 metres from their house. That's not exactly uh, brilliant, is it, for cycling? But I, I guess... Um, turbo trainer sales will be going through the roof yeah and also a number of people including uh, rafa have brought out indoor training kit <laughs> yeah i've got indoor training kit as well it's called my shoes some socks and some bib shorts do you have to wear a kit to wear in my mate my mate no i'm not i'm not giving this this isn't an endorsement but my mate dan often goes on his turbo in his pants you don't know my mate dan but i've created a mental image for my mates that listen to this yeah, he does. He's but he's, he's unique. He was a drummer. Speaking of drumming, um, the last Ruler Desire shoot before lockdown was in a recording studio for some reason. Um, what was that all about? There's a bit of a story behind this. It's like so. <clears throat> in fact, the last podcast that I was on, I sounded really downbeat. This story I'm about to say is quite joyful. Right. So I spend quite a lot of time on Instagram looking for um, kits and things like that, smaller brands, because we often have like a smaller brand next to some of your sort of well-known brands like Castelli and things. Right. And I found this um, cycling company, the Australian called Lumiere, and they do these shorts, right, that had leopard print, like bib shorts. See where I'm going with this, right? Rock and roll bib shorts. Yes, exactly that. Often, what I do when I come up with an idea, okay, so take the Spitfire thing. That was for, like, Tour of Britain, you know, world champs being in the UK. Well, like, I needed to do something that's British. You go, oh, all right, Spitfires, that's British. So with this, I had these shorts came first before anything else. I was like, I've got to get them in just because they are crazy. Well, they're a leopard print bib short. That's, you know, that, that's all you need to know, isn't it, really? So I've read Neil Strauss's book, you know, The Dirt. And the film, Motley Crue, The Dirt, but that is outrageous. It's like so far from reality in it. So, and I thought, hey, why don't we do something in a studio, right? My mate, Get Cape, Wear Cape, Fly, right? He's from Southend. I've known Sam for years since he was, it was, he wasn't even in, he, was, he hadn't started Get Cape at the time. He was in a band called Silverskin. He has a recording studio called SS2 Recording in Southend. And I said to Sam, can we borrow your studio for a shoot? And he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so we went down there and I like Benedict turn up and they weren't really sure what, where I was going with this idea for a shoot. I think they just, they, cause I was so passionate about doing it in the studio. I think they did think it was a bit weird, but when they got there, they realized that he's like, Sam's it's a proper recording studio. So I built the whole shoot around this pair of shorts so everything else, everything that I called in was slightly rock and roll. So we had like, like Pariah sent over like um like a 
like really leery jerseys with like tiger print on it and stuff like this because I put a load of eyeliner on and went, <laughs> went with it but it was great fun really really good fun we got some really fancy kit in there as well really nice bikes we set fire to a helmet why because right I love that you know the photo of Jimi Hendrix where he's sort of like you know leant over his Stratocaster and he's pouring lighter fluid on it and it's like smoke and flames are coming up I wanted to do a photo like an homage to that, if you know what I mean. So Benedict's face, when I said, we're setting light to this, and pulled out some uh, uh, white spirit to set it on fire. We didn't actually do that in the studio. I don't think Sam would have enjoyed that, really, considering there's probably a few quids worth of gear in there. But we went outside. He's got like a like a, like a court-like yard outside and, and set fire to it there. And yeah, the best thing was, Sam just came out, you know, and just sort of looked at it and went, Oh, cool. <laughs> like, like it was like nothing, like like a normal day. Uh, but I suppose it is in the day of a life, like, you know, a real life rock star. And that's it from this podcast. There'll be a ruler long read along shortly. And we'll be back with another podcast in a couple of weeks time. Stay safe until then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 